Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Oladance, wireless Bluetooth headphones which deliver 19 hours of battery life, superior sound, the ability to still hear your surroundings for safety, and an open ear design which means you don't get that achy feeling from wearing them for extended periods. I used these on my 100 mile wilderness run, and if you're curious, head over to oladance.com forward slash ST and use code ST at checkout for $30 off their OWS2 headphones. Also, thanks to Pillar Performance. Pillar, spelled P-I-L-L-A-R, is a sports micronutrition company that I was introduced to after having Sam Parsons from Tin Man Elite on the show a while back. I use their pineapple coconut flavored triple magnesium product, which delivers high potency magnesium glycinate for better sleep and added recovery during my training blocks. If you'd like to try Pillar today and you're an American-based listener, head over to thefeed.com forward slash pillar and use code SINGLETRACK in all caps for 15% off your order. For international listeners, use the same code for the same discount, but a different link. Use pillarperformance.shop. Finally, thanks to Kodiak Cakes, makers of my favorite pancakes. They've been at the center of so many memorable post-long run breakfasts. They don't just taste great. It's 100% whole grain. There's 14 grams of protein per serving that helps with recovery. Go over to their website. Get yourself a few boxes of the mix. In the process, use code SINGLETRACK15 at checkout for 15% off your next order. With that, let's get to the show. Dakota Jones, it's a pleasure to have you back on the Single Track Podcast. Hey, thanks a lot. It's really good to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. And I think the first question I want to ask you is just about your relationship with Chamonix and your relationship with these UTMB races, because the last time we talked around Western States, it, it was, it struck me that, you know, you were in some ways waiting to do Western States pretty deep into your ultra running career. And I, I guess I don't know the story of just how long these races like UTMB and CCC have been on your mind. So talk about that. Like, yeah. what's the wine now? Talk about the history there. Yeah, I appreciate the way you phrase that because it implies that I have a plan and I've thought these things through ahead <laughs> of time. Um, it's never been the case. And I think I screwed up my whole career because I never planned ahead. However, not over yet. <clears throat> um, I actually ran UTMB or <laughs> I started UTMB two times in once in 2011 and once in 2014. And I dropped out both times. Uh, basically because I got tired and sad. Um, and it was actually after 2014 UCMB when I was like, wow, I really need a break from 100 miles. And so I ended up thinking, I was thinking like, oh, I'll take like five years off, which is like the most planning I've ever done. I was like, I'm not going to run 100 miles again for like five years. And it ended up being six. I didn't do it again until 2020. Um, and I think that was good because I feel like I'm better at it now. At least I'm happier at it. Um, but... Yeah, I'm running the CCC this year instead of the UCMB. I can't really remember how I came to choose that one instead of UCMB. I think it's mainly because I did want to do one of these races. I've been at these races a ton. Like, obviously, it's a huge part of the sport. You know, the UCMB events are, like, one of the most important races that they have, that, that we have um, in terms of competition and visibility. Um, and it's spectacularly beautiful. Um course is really challenging and really cool um and yeah i think i was i knew i was doing western states and so i was i thought like you know i don't think it's really right for me to do two 100 mile races in the same summer like what is it two and a half months apart or something so i figured i'd do the ccc and even that seems like quite a bit quite close but uh, i think it's worked out i've rested pretty well after western states so 
Does that answer your question? I'm just rambling. <laughs> it does. No, it's great. And I actually, I think before I ask this next question, I want to backtrack a bit and just talk very briefly about Western states because I think most people would agree with these larger races like Western and UTMB. It's really hard to win or it's really hard to podium if you don't take some pretty big risks. And I think you sort of implicitly acknowledged that mm -hmm. when you left it all out on the course this earlier this summer. It was a, it was a fun performance to watch. And I think on, on a certain day, you might have caught lightning in a bottle and, and won the race or, or been right there with Tom. But the, the fact remains that you, you have to do those kind of things in this day of age to be successful. Um, I think what I'm curious about is your reaction or your response to that type of day. Like after you reflected on it, did it increase or decrease your motivation to keep getting after it? Like, do you, do you feel like there's fire in the belly to, to essentially run that back again at CCC? Definitely. Yeah. I felt really motivated. Western States was a super cool experience. I, I didn't have the race that I would hope for, you know, like I, I went really hard and then blew up at hundred kilometers, um, which is not super awesome. It's kind of embarrassing sometimes, but like, really, I don't care. I had a good time. I worked, I worked really hard. I did the best I could. That was the day I had, I finished the race. I stayed positive. Um, I think that like over the last few years, I think especially last year running hard rock and Havelina, I got, I just kind of got a lot more confidence in my ability to race and run these distances and like gives me confidence to, to be able to not just finish the race, but to like push hard. Um, and so I tried that at Western States and it didn't pay off mainly, I think just cause I wasn't fit enough. Like I think Western States is super fast, super runnable. It's a hundred whole miles. And if you don't train, I think really consistently for a ton of running, especially downhill running through the spring, then you're not going to be able to really, succeed and you know i feel like hard rock a race like hard rock is really really hard but i feel like you can almost get away with not being on like top fitness sometimes because you're just hiking so much it's like more about power and strength whereas yeah. like western states or these more runnable races you have to super run the whole way also it's more competitive than hard rock just because there's more people there but um yeah so i went out western states and i didn't have the day i wanted <laughs> blew up but it, it, it was a, it was the kind of thing where in my brain i was like that it's kind of embarrassing to blow up, but it's also like, I don't think what I was doing racing that aggressively was unreasonable or wrong. I think it was just, I just didn't have the fitness to do it that day, but I, you know, I, I'd like to think I could do it if I had a bit more fitness next time. And so probably do the same at CCC. <laughs> See what when you think about your approach to these races, when you think about your approach to, you know, the biggest races on your calendar each year, are you someone that has to do a certain type of training or a certain amount of training to give yourself permission to to run hard on race day and really compete at the front of the race or do you feel like you're somebody who because you've had enough experience in the sport because you've you know gone to the well before or you know really pushed yourself before that uh maybe at this point even if things didn't go like perfectly according to plan and training you could get away with some things on race day yeah i think that I always have these great ideas about how to race strategically and, and intelligently. And then I get in the middle of it and I'm competitive and I'm excited. And so I just tend to push. Um, and that, like, I, I kind of knew, I suspected at Western States, I maybe didn't have the fitness, but I pushed hard anyway. Earlier this year, I ran the, the Gorge Waterfalls 50K and I definitely wasn't fit enough to go hard, but I went super hard and I made it like halfway before I blew up. Um, I feel like that's just kind of my strategy. Like, I, I should probably think ahead better on this stuff, but I just, I like to race. I like to push hard. 
Um, I don't race a ton, I think, and so when I do race, I tend to, like, be motivated to push. Um, and so, yeah, like, I know what kind of training I want to do, and I have a pretty good idea usually going into a race whether I'm fit enough for it or not. But there have totally been yeah. times when I was fit enough for a race and didn't have a good day, or vice versa, times when I didn't feel like I had the fitness and it just happened. Like, actually, Charles Wakanya this year was a good example of that. Like, I didn't feel like I had the fitness I needed to do a good job at Charles Wakanya, but I ended up winning and running a good time. Um, so I guess all that to say, it's hard to trust even myself. Hmm. <laughs> and maybe this is more for the listeners and the viewers out there in no way shape or form am i am i doubting what you may be able to do or will do on race day i'm just absolutely fascinated by the psychology of having to repeat this process of you know convincing yourself to suffer for that long on race day um you've got a beautiful location behind you right now what's your what's your lifestyle looked like these past four to six weeks yeah. i had to guess you've been training pretty specifically for this race Yes, I've been in Europe for about a month now, um, and I've been kind of off and on doing different things, but um, currently I've been staying in a van with a friend um, in Italy, kind of traveling around northern Italy, um, and it's been really, really cool. <laughs> it's just like traveling around and seeing some new places that I haven't been to before, because I've been to Chamonix several times, and it is so spectacular. Um, but it's not the only spectacular place, so it's fun to check out some new places. Um, two weeks ago, I spent the whole week in uh, just outside of Chamonix with the, the normal team. Um, we had our first tra team training camp, and so I was doing a lot of running there and working with the, the team on lots of different things. Um, but yeah, currently I'm actually literally at the border of Switzerland and Italy um, because my SIM card works in the European Union, and Switzerland is not in the European Union. <laughs> yes yeah and so like i'm on like my uh, uh tethered my phone to the internet for this <laughs> i think another question on that front is just you know th this race will be on the live stream i'm very excited personally to watch you race can you provide any hints or suggestions or uh expectations as to how we'll see you racing on race day like your style do, do you do you anticipate regardless of style. how you're feeling or anything like that that you'll you'll be, be out cool. there and and pushing at the front like are we expecting fireworks from you no matter what like what are the expectations there for you yeah i'll go hard for sure um i feel like these interviews it's always like a competition with everybody else to be see who can sandbag each other the most <laughs> you know? you're like oh yeah i feel fine but you never know i don't know everybody's training hard <laughs> like whatever. I mean, I've been training hard. I feel like I'm super fit. Um, I've had some incredible runs. I'm super, super excited. Um, I think most of all, it's like this, the training that I've had the last month or so has been really fun. And so I've gotten to do the kind of training I love the most, which is just like a ton of really long days and a lot of vertical and exploring these new mountains and, and trails. Um, and when I look at the stats on that, it's like, it's really satisfying. <laughs> like I did a shitload of vertical and I, and I, I, pretty good distance but you know like because i did so much vert i did less distance um but like i honestly feel like i'm as fit as i've ever been um or as strong as i've ever been and sometimes it doesn't work out but if i'm able to like really rein myself in this week and next week and like uh you know sleep well eat well not train too much <laughs> in these mountains then i think i could be up for a good day and then in terms of strategy uh since you asked that too um 
yeah, like I, I want to go out a little easier. I think that uh, Claire Gallagher won this race, the CCC in 2017, and she was telling me to not yeah. race at all until you get to Switzerland, um, which basically means go up and down two big climbs before you start like <laughs> considering it at a race. And that's really hard to do, especially in Europe where they go real hard from the start. Um, so my goal would be to like go a good pace, but not super intense until I get to like La Folie. Um, which would be like 40k or something. I don't know. Maybe that's 30k. I should look at the map. Um, but then, once I get there, then especially the last three climbs from Champelac and Triant and Valerstein, like really try to push those. Thanks to Brooks for their support of our UTMB coverage. I used their Cascadia H shoe way back in 2014 when I was introduced to trails via my through hike of the Appalachian Trail. So. This is pretty cool. I've been wearing lately their new high point collection in the field, particularly their waterproof rain jacket and pants, as well as the new and improved Cascadia 17 shoe. The style and the performance across the board are all on point. I even wear that waterproof rain jacket sometimes during these interviews. Check it all out over at brooksrunning.com forward slash single track. Also, thanks to Morton. 80% of my run of the 100-mile wilderness earlier this month was supplied by Morton. I used 25 of their hydrogels, 10 of their 225C bars. They all went down easy. There was no pallet fatigue, and they made me feel good because it's all natural ingredients. These are the same products used by top athletes like Tom Evans and Killian Jornet. So head over to morton.com to take a look at what they got and try some for yourself. And finally, Thank you to Features, makers of my favorite trail running socks. They're durable, they're comfortable, they're stylish, and they're trusted by, again, many of the best athletes in our sport. If you'd like to give them a try, head over to their website, grab a few pairs, and use code SINGLETRACK20 at checkout for 20% off your next order. With that, let's get back to the show. I, I appreciate the, the the sandbagging observation, and I think you know maybe in my next line of questioning for other athletes, I'm going to have to get creative about how to how to work around that uh, that that default. But I appreciate you taking the question head on. Last question I have for you is, I guess it's about footprints. It was really cool to see you in your element earlier this summer in Salt Lake, emceeing that that Patagonia event. And uh, yeah, I think I'm just curious, like what have been the big summer projects you're working on in, in that arena? And uh, yeah, what are you what are you stoked on right now? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so footprints, the camp that I organize where we help runners address climate change with their own personal projects. We um, so we're setting, we're putting on our main camp, like our, yeah, our focus camp of the year in Vermont at the end of September. So it's, it's like three weeks after CCC. Um, so I've been doing a ton of work on that, like while over here, you know, I'm constantly on these calls and emails and, and all kinds of work for that. I mean, it's, it's several hours a day for sure. And fortunately I have a ton of really good help from, uh, friend Nate Bender. And, um, especially we also just, one of the things that we're most excited about is not only do we have this camp where all these runners have climate action projects for their community, um, we have amazing mentors who help develop these projects throughout the camp, but we've now developed what we call the community engagement program, which is basically how we support these people after they leave the camp. Because we have this really inspiring, exciting experience at this event, at the camp, everybody's together, working hard, and then you go home and you fall back on your own habits. So we've, we're in the process of developing this big program for people to continue being supported with mentorship, resources, connections, ideas, everything for uh, about a year after the camp. And then they kind of graduate from the process and hopefully come back and like start supporting other campers. And so we've been really developing that, that program. It's been fun. 
Right on. Where, where's the Vermont camp located? I was just actually in the, in the Waterbury sort of Burlington corridor this past, nice. uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, beautiful country. Uh, oh. seems like a great next place to host. So, so where, where in the state are you going to be? Yeah, it, it's in that same sort of region. It's in Northern Vermont, but like a few hours east of Burlington. So we're going to kind of meet in Burlington, but then we okay. go to a town called Craftsbury and Craftsbury is pretty well known for people who are Nordic yeah. speakers. Yeah. Because we're cool. doing it at the Crossberry Outdoor Center where they know it's Love it. Well, Dakota, always a pleasure to chat. We'll link to everything, including the footprints work and the show notes. Uh, l- looking forward to following your race in a few days here. And uh, yeah, always great to catch up. Appreciate your time. And hey, any final uh, any final thoughts or, or stuff to leave the listeners with before we go? I don't know. Thanks Thanks for following along. Yeah, it's, it's really... We're lucky to be able to do this. I don't have anything to leave. I'm sorry. I'm just grateful.